Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. from last week. 
we had a very special guest, our friend Denise, came on, and we did our bowl breakdown, which is why we didn't really get to um, a lot of the college football topics. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely address some of that today. But, again, find last week's episode. The easiest way to find it is to go on our Facebook page, which is Fifth Down Sports Show. Um, while you're there, give us a like. And, you know, anytime you have a question about football or, you know, you have a statement about football or something happened in the show that you want to comment on, that's where you do it. We'll address it um, here on the show. So uh, that gets some of that stuff out of the way. Um, and now we can move right along. Later on in the show, we will uh, the, the action from the NFL. Um, I've got some uh, some hot takes to do there. And, of course, if you want to break in and comment on anything on the show, um, you're more than welcome to call the show. Our number is 646-668-8467. Um, all right. So let's start with uh, college football and the college football playoff. We, we talked a little bit about it last week. But we'll expand on it. Today, the four teams were selected. Of course, you had you had Alabama as number one. You had Clemson number two, Notre Dame number three, Oklahoma number four. Um, the the way the committee went about this, I said this last week, but I want to expand on it a little bit. That's why we're going to take some time here early on. The committee chose Oklahoma for the one reason, the, the one and only reason that they chose Oklahoma is because of the excitement factor that Oklahoma brings. Um, it was neither, it was, it was not an option that they could uh, ignore. And for those of you out there that, you know, Want to say, have been telling me all year, um, all year, oh, it's about finding the four best teams. It's about finding the four best teams. The, the committee did not find the four best teams, okay? You cannot argue with the first three, and I'll take some of those arguments that we've gotten. Um, first off, people have been arguing, oh, Notre Dame, how is Notre Dame number three? An undefeated Notre Dame team is getting in the college football playoff. There's no metric that you could tell that keeps Notre Dame out. The only thing that keeps Notre Dame out is the people that say, well, they didn't win a conference championship game. And, and to those people, I say, what are you talking about? Notre Dame beat two teams that played on championship Saturday. They they beat teams from the Pac-10, the Pac-12. They beat Big Ten teams. They beat ACC teams. They beat um, they they beat they 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 basically they're the only team that does not play an FCS team. I mean, they're one of the only ones. So there's no reason. The only reason people look at their schedule and say. Oh, well, this team was down this year. This team was up, blah, blah, blah. Notre Dame, an undefeated Notre Dame team, there's no way they're going to keep them out. And for the people that say Notre Dame has to join a conference, 
Notre Dame is the only team in the country that does not need a conference because of the way that they do things, and that that's a whole other discussion outside of the playoff. But Notre Dame is the is the really the only team that that really played a schedule, the an entire season schedule that is worthy of the playoff picture. So I don't want to hear, um, you know, somebody brought this up when I was on the Snowman Show uh, last week talking about this. Somebody brought up the question of, is Notre Dame deserving? Notre Dame is the probably the most deserving team out of any team out there uh, because of the schedule they played, the fact that they went undefeated, the fact that they are Notre Dame. The, everything puts them in the playoffs. So the top three, I don't think there's any argument over having them in. The problem is that fourth team. And like I said, Oklahoma was the decision for they had the most exciting player. They have the most exciting offense. They, they, are, what, they are what football is becoming. Basically, don't play defense and just outscore everybody. That's what Oklahoma does. We knew that coming in. Um, they did nothing in the past real month and a half to make you feel any better about that defense. But they do have the quarterback. They do have the two stud receivers in Hollywood Brown and C.D. Lamb. So they do have an attack. They do have a case that they can make. Um, but if you were to ask me, are they an all-around good football team, no. The answer is no. Um, they are a prolific offense, and that's it. Their defense is absolutely terrible, and um, and that that's just that. Now, if you look at the teams that they were being looked at, was it was basically between Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State, and you know on this show. We've been championing UCF. We would throw UCF in the mix there, but the committee did not want to do that. And we talked last week. It's a travesty that they UCF did all that they've done, and they still stayed at eight. Uh, and there's a two-loss Michigan team ahead of them. It really, I mean, that that's just if that doesn't tell you what the committee thinks about UCF, then I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, they, they're basically saying, yeah, you're a nice program, but you're not big enough to crack the, to, you're not big enough to champion what we want you, what we want to have and represent us. And, and all the group of five should look at that and say, what do we have to do? Um, if we, do we have to go, do we have to go three years undefeated? Do we have to – how many – you know, the committee should come out and say – just come out and say, look, the group. this is not a group of five playoff. The group of five will never be involved. Um, they're a nice story, but we don't, we don't want them involved in our playoff. And, you know, go from there. But that's basically what they said by where they have UCF slide. So um, – we talked about UCF a little bit last week. I don't want to get into that, but I do want to get into, um, you know, I do want to break this down. 
because Oklahoma got that fourth spot. Georgia, if you were to ask me who the best four teams are, I would have the three undefeated. And even though they lost twice, I still think Georgia is the best all-around team out of out of the three that are left, out of the Ohio State. Uh, uh, you know, Georgia Georgia's the only team that I can say plays an all-around game. Their offense might not be as prolific as Oklahoma, but their defense is a whole heck of a lot better. Ohio State is such an up-and-down team. We don't know what Ohio State team is going to show up. I know what Georgia team is going to show up. So to all the people out there, I mean, and we'll get into this in a second when we talk about the games, uh, because we didn't get to last week, I, 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 I really think that's the case. You know, That's the only case that Georgia has. The fact that they have two losses pretty much eliminates them from the conversation but if you were to tell, if you were to ask me, all right, put the four best teams in, it, it has to be Georgia. And while we're on that topic, let's go to the uh, to the game, the SEC championship game. Everything you need to know was said in the post game interview by Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart approached that game as if. As if, all right, if we hang our, if we hang up, hang around with Alabama and lose a close game, the committee's going to overlook that, and we're going to get it anyway. They did not approach that game as a do or die game, and that that's what led to the downfall and the mistake Kirby Smart made of going for the fake punt. All right, there were three mistakes that Georgia made to lose that game. First was the mindset going in that, hey, if we play them close, the committee will say, hey, this is, this, they're still one of the best teams. That's just not the case. You know, this was a do-or-die game for Georgia. And I don't understand who gave them the idea that, well, if you lose, you can still get in. Once, they knew Oklahoma had won. Oklahoma had, had finished their game, you know, before the SEC championship game started. They knew, all right, Oklahoma won. We have to win to, to keep pace. So they knew that going in. Uh, so I, I don't know where they got this idea that, well, if we lose, we can still get in. That was the first mistake they made. The second mistake was, A, calling the fake punt, okay? First off, the fake punt at the end of the game. Game is tied, and you're and I think they were just they were either at or just across midfield. Okay. Now they've been punting all game, all game they've been punting, and the ball's been bouncing inside the five. And Georgia was close to downing it a couple times, but they just couldn't get there. Maybe that was in the back of Kirby Smart's mind, like Look, we've tried this a bunch and failed to execute it. So let's just go for it. All right. Well, it was fourth and 11. It, this was not a, all right, if, if this play gets stopped, you know, we have a chance to scramble around and, 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 and get the first down. It, it wasn't that close. It was fourth and 11. 
that's the first the first mistake was just even calling the fake punt. I mean, it, you knew Alabama had the backup quarterback in. Granted, it was Jalen Hurts, a guy who's led a team to play in the national championship and led a team uh, last year to the national championship before he got benched in the first half. So it's not like they had some unproven guy. Second thing is, that not only do they have a backup quarterback, but this is a guy who hadn't taken a snap since having surgery like three weeks ago. So Jalen Hurts, why give why even give him the option of feeling comfortable? If Jalen Hurts has to go 80 yards, he's not going to be as comfortable as knowing, all right, if I get 20 yards, we're in field goal range, and we have a shot to win the game. You know, if he had to go... 60, 70 yards, that puts a lot more pressure on a guy who hasn't been who not known for throwing the ball. You know, his legs are pretty much taken out of the equation. But once you fake it there, you put his legs in the equation, we saw what happened. All right. The the third mistake that Georgia made was you called the fake punt. You told your freshman quarterback, here's what we're doing. We're putting you in as the pump protector. You're going to get it, and if the guy's open, you're going to hit a, You're you're going to dump the pass over the top. You you told him that in the huddle. At that point, you're like, all right, we got a fake field. We got a fake punt on. The problem is Alabama knew a fake was coming. Not not only did you know, even if they didn't know a fake was coming, they sensed the fake was coming because they kept the defense on the field. They didn't bring the punt team on. They didn't have a returner. They had the defense on the field. Once you, once Kirby Smart saw that the defense was still on the field, you have to call timeout right there and, and tell your freshman quarterback, you know what, they kept the defense on the field. This is not the time for that. Timeout, let's regroup, let's kick it, let's kick the ball and, and, and play from there. Or you call a timeout and you say, all right, we're going to rethink this. We're going to just go for it because they got their defense on the field. To try a trick play, they were, Alabama was not fooled. So those are the three mistakes that Georgia made um, in that game, and, and it cost them a playoff shot. It, and, and, you know, we can Monday morning quarterback it all the want, you know, Oh, if they kick it deep, the defense can stop them. Who knows? Maybe Jalen Hurts would have led the team down and, and, and it would have, would have ended the same way. Who knows? But at least you give your team a, a hint of a chance. I mean, Alabama knew, all right, we get a first down. We're pretty much golden to win the game. And that took all the pressure in the world off of Jalen Hurts, who did a magnificent job, but still. You know, that was a problem. Now let's get to uh, the case for Ohio State. Ohio State, really, once Oklahoma won, they had no case. Ohio State was done. And the only case that Ohio State can make is that their resume is better than the other two. And that, that's, that's the true statement. I don't see any way that their resume is any worse. Um, but you take Ohio State with a 20-point loss at Purdue, put it against a five, uh, you know, a 
a three-point loss against Texas, the, the losses just don't match up with Oklahoma. So they knew, they knew going in to their championship game that they were pretty much done and playing for the Rose Bowl. So um, that's Ohio State. Now let's let's that's the playoff. Uh, so obviously in the playoff we have Alabama versus Oklahoma. We'll break down all the championship. We'll we'll break the games down later on. Uh, but you have Alabama versus Oklahoma, and you have uh, Clemson versus Notre Dame. So um, that's where we're going from there. All right, now let's get let's fast forward to Saturday, where the I, I still believe that this is the most prestigious award in all of sports. The Heisman Trophy is. Such a great award, such a great ceremony, such a great program. Here's the thing. The media just fell in love with Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray has a great story. There, there's no question about it. There's no question about it. Kyler Murray, guy who's waited his turn, got drafted by the Oakland A's, is not even going to play NFL football. He is a signed Major League Baseball player, playing quarterback and doing things that you know we've never seen in this sport. All of that is true. His numbers are fantastic. But, but that's the problem. The media fell in love with Kyler Murray's statistics. And here's the problem. The best player in college football, it, it, the Heisman Trophy is not the best story, it's not the best, uh, you know, who's, who, it, 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 it's, it's the most outstanding player in all of college football. Who was the most outstanding player? Well, the most outstanding player in college football didn't play in a fourth quarter at all this season. Tua put up, you put up the stats next to each other, Kyler Murray and Tua's stats, and you look at them, Tua's not far off, and he never played in the fourth quarter. He played in one fourth quarter all year, and that was the SEC championship game, and he got hurt. This is a guy who put up ridiculous numbers in 12 less quarters than what Kyler Murray did. And, you know, that, I think that got lost in the entire discussion of, you know, who's the Heisman Trophy? Well, and, and we've, I've seen it. I just saw, I just read an article about who's the player of the year. You know, player of the year is Kyler Murray. That's just, that's just people fawning over these stats, which are crazy for Kyler Murray. And obviously, he had to put those numbers up because Oklahoma's defense was so bad they had to score 60 a game. Um you know, Alabama was up by so much, they weren't even playing their guy in the fourth quarter. They weren't, most of the times in the second half, they weren't even playing to get to a stats. They were playing to keep the lead and just, you know, you would just dink and dunk, take time off the clock and get out of here with a win. They, they weren't the all-out, you know, they didn't have to score the way um, Oklahoma did. I mean, it... So to say that 
Kyler Murray is is was more outstanding. I I believe that they got that so wrong. I believe Tua should have won the Heisman Trophy. He was the most outstanding player because he didn't need to play. He was beating teams so badly. He did not need to play the fourth quarter of any game at all this season until the SEC championship game. I mean that that's crazy. That that will never be done. So uh, I don't know. I think, and then I I was reading in the same article, um, coach of the year. There there's there's no doubt in my mind there. It, it, there's no other coach. If if you're not giving it to Bill Clark of UAB, you haven't been paying attention to college football. I mean, UAB, to take a program that canceled its season two years ago and have them – just want to make sure I get this right. I mean, this is a guy – he led them to a 10-win season. I think they were 10-2 and two. Won their conference championship. I mean, this is again, this is a program that lost, that that canceled the program, and then two years ago, and then and now two years removed is a conference champion, ten wins, going to a bowl game. That's unheard of. So it it it, it just there's no other candidates other than uh, Bill Clark. They also did a freshman of the year in the article, and I can't argue with that one either. Rondale Moore of Purdue, um, the guy did, just did everything for Purdue. Um, I, I have to, you know, the, the only other candidate is Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, and Rondale Moore did it all year. Trevor Lawrence came in, I think it was week four, that he came in as the starting quarterback, and um, you know, that team really for the first three weeks of Trevor Lawrence was basically get the ball to, to uh, ATN, the running back, and hope he can do something. Then Trevor Lawrence started opening up the offense, and we saw Clemson expand. But at that point, at the point that I'm going to – Rondell Moore did it all year from game one until – the end of the season, he was basically Purdue's only weapon, and you still couldn't stop him. Um, and he basically does everything. I mean, catches, returns. I saw him throw a touchdown pass. I saw, I, I've seen him do everything. So freshman of the year is definitely Rondale Moore. Um, and that's our college football. Um, that's our college football awards segment. Um, and we'll stick with college football for the next topic um, as we go in. We talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, Urban Meyer has decided he will step down from Ohio State. Um, he is claiming health reasons, and even though a lot of his detractors will say, yeah, he doesn't really have health reasons, there's an ulterior motive here, you know, maybe it's because of the scandals. Maybe it's because, you know, he just wants to get out of Dodge and, um, you know, go somewhere else. All of that is up in the air. I mean, if Urban Meyer says it's because of his health, who might question that? It's, you know, who might question his health? I, I have no idea. 
Only Urban Meyer and his doctors can answer that. But the more interesting part is, where does Ohio State go from here? And Ohio State will go to um, coach, the, the coach of the, uh, the interim coach, um, just got to get his, uh, they'll go with, they'll go with Ryan Day, who was not only just the interim coach, he's the offensive coordinator. So I, I don't really think Ohio State is going to lose much from not having Urban Meyer there. Um, you know, and they're still going to have Greg Schiano unless he moves on and gets a better gig. But I do think, um, you know, so I think Ohio State will be okay in replacing Urban Meyer. It's not like, um, it's not like some of these other programs where they've struggled to find the next guy, like Florida's been struggling to find the next guy uh, after Steve Spurrier, um, you know, struggle. Then they got Urban Meyer, and they're still struggling to replace Urban Meyer. It's not going to be a Florida situation in Ohio State. They're they're going to keep right on rolling because they have the infrastructure in place um, to keep that going. So I, I I don't believe that will be a problem. So that's. That's the story in college football. We're getting ready for the bowl games. Saturday, the bowl games begin at noon with the uh, Armed Forces Celebrate Army, I think it's the Army Reserve Celebration Bowl, which um, anybody who saw it last year, it was a fantastic game. North Carolina A&T came down to the wire. Um, they're in it again against Alcorn State. Again, these are historically black universities. That's why this game is played. You know, it's to give these guys exposure. And um, last year was a good game to watch. I saw North Carolina A&T play their opening game. I think they played Southern. It was a another fantastic game. So it, it it's definitely worth tuning in if you if you're looking for something on Saturday to, to keep an eye on. That's one of the games uh, you definitely should keep an eye out for. All right, that's and and that's college football. So, um, in a nutshell, we're we're wrapping up the season next week. Um, next week, I will do more of a um, you know player player of the year. Uh, you already know my player of the year is two of them. We will. Um, you know, we'll give out our awards of the top wide receiver, the, um, you know, I'll go through and we'll do the fifth down, uh, we'll do the fifth down awards with best player, best defensive player, best play of the year. Uh, we'll break all that down next week. Um, so if, if you're listening out there, go to the fifth down sports show page. Um, it's open posting, so if you've got if you've got a play that you think should be worthy of play of the year, definitely let us know. If you've got thoughts on player of the year or position, you know, we'll do defensive player of the year. We'll do um, wide receiver of the year, running back, quarterback, offensive lineman of the year, defensive lineman, um, 
we'll go through we'll do we'll do a whole award segment um so if you've got any any nominations definitely uh leave them on the facebook page and again that's uh fit down sports show um it's it's the number five five t h so you know people some people try to spell it out it, it won't show up but um, you know, you'll know how to find it. If if you can't find it, if you can't find it, you know, wait around and call the show, or uh, you know, we'll we'll figure we'll figure out a way for you to get your uh, post in here. If you're already a friend of mine on Facebook, just send me send me a message. Uh, type put it on my wall. I don't care if it's for the show. I don't care. I'll 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 make sure it gets on here, um, and make sure we talk about it. So that's how we're going to do it. All right, let's go to the NFL, and we're going to spend the rest of the time on the NFL for this um, for the rest of, rest of this show. We're going to spend it on the National Football League, and we're going to talk playoffs. Um, we had teams clinch the playoffs this week. Um, Kansas City clinched with clinched a playoff spot. Obviously, Thursday night will be a big time game, and um, basically, if the Chiefs win, they are pretty much insured um, the AFC West unless there's a big collapse. The Chargers, if they win, they put their they get back back in the saddle here. So it, it's a big game. It's a big Thursday night game. Be very interesting to watch. The first game was close. It was the first game of the year. So both these teams were just working the cobwebs out. We didn't know what Pat Mahomes was. Now we do. So let's see how the Chargers adjust. To that kind of thing. I mean, the Chiefs really have not been tested pretty much all year. I mean, um, when they have been tested, New England and uh, the Rams, they lost those games. So you could say the Chargers, because the Chargers are 10 and 3, but the Chargers, it, again, it was week one. Nobody knew who anybody was at that point. Last week, the the Ravens the Ravens gave it all they could but they just fell short and their offense was just so limited um you know they had Lamar Jackson back there um running around and he really their um the defense was was just troublesome and it's um, very, uh, you know, the Ravens' only way they held in was that their defense played it. I mean, their offense was abysmal. If they had any bit of offense, they would have won that game easy. But they couldn't get anything going. They couldn't do anything in overtime. And the Chiefs uh, managed to, to work their way to a victory. So the Kansas City Chiefs are playoff bound. The question will be, will they be the 
top seed and have home field, or will they be a wild card? And that will be decided on Thursday night in in what should be a good game. All right, let's go. Let's stay in the AFC and just keep um, keep going down. Let's keep going down the list. The New England Patriots. What a game. What a play by Miami. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to a couple of people during the week about this play. Um, you know, a lot of people want to blame. Uh, oh, did you, you know, it, it's been a very amusing thing for people to say, to knock Rob Gronkowski or, you know, why was Gronk even on the field? Well, they thought they were getting a Hail Mary. They end up getting what essentially turned into a hook and ladder. Um, we saw the hook and ladder broken out a couple times this week, which was fantastic to see. I know I saw it. Um, I forget what the, I forget what the other game was that that brought out the hook and ladder, but um, I I I have an affinity for the hook and ladder. We used to run it in high. That was like our go-to play in high school was the hook and ladder, and I I was usually the hook. Then I'd pitch it to the ladder, and you know that that was our, kind of our go-to play. Um, so I I love seeing it. You know I love it at the end of a game, and in this Miami situation, I mean, really the person everybody everybody's focused on Gronk because Gronk was on the field. He took a bad angle and then made it even worse when he tripped over himself and fell. But the even worse um, the you know the even worse part of it is Kenyon Drake when he got the ball I don't know who the defensive back for the Patriots was there was a tackle that he breaks a tackle once he broke that tackle he was gone and that's the guy that New England fans should be upset about. That's the guy who should be getting all the hatred from, you know, Gronk is an easy target, but that guy who missed the tackle, his, his job is to make tackles. And Gronk's job is not to make tackles or be part. His job was to knock the ball down if they threw it deep, not make a tackle on a guy with a full head of steam and, 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 and cutting an angle you know, that's just, that's not Gronk's game. That's never going to be Gronk's game. He's never going to do that. So I, I have to say, if you're going to be mad at somebody, be mad at the guy who missed the tackle. And I'm more, I, it was, you know, it's a Patriots defensive back. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a, not a bad guess to say it was one of the McCordys. I mean, they do have two of them. Uh, out of everybody, I'm not positive on who it was, though. I know somebody missed the tackle, and once they missed the tackle and he cut and Kenyon Drake cut it to the corner, he was gone. Um, but that win was significant, not only because it kept the Patriots. Um, I mean, who knew that Houston would lose to um, Indianapolis? Who knew that? Pittsburgh would lose to Oakland, you know. 
So the Patriots lucked out in the fact that now they are um, still in the hunt for, you know, they still have that second playoff spot there. They're still tied with Houston. But it really, they had a shot there to take over the top spot. You know, we knew, we know the Chargers game is coming up. We talked about it before, Thursday night on Fox. You'll be able to watch that game. Uh, But New England had a shot at being the number one seed. Now that is really in jeopardy because if the Chiefs win next week, uh, the Chiefs only have to win two more games and then they're, they basically have it. So it, it and I don't see, you know, I, I, I could see the Chiefs losing, losing to the Chargers. I don't see them losing another game after that. So the New England Patriots would need the Chiefs to lose two more and win out to be able to get that top spot, which we know, we know if it goes through Foxborough, um, the Patriots are a pretty good bet to make it to the Super Bowl if everything has to go through Foxborough. But that remains to be seen. Anyway. And the Houston Texans, I mentioned, they lost to Indianapolis. Another big loss. Um, not only not only a loss for the, the team in charge, but a big win for Indianapolis. Keeps them in the hunt. Miami's still in the hunt at seven and six. The Baltimore Ravens the Baltimore Ravens lose to the Chiefs, and now you've got them and the Tennessee Titans, everybody all grouped together at seven and six. And, you know, that's a big, you know, who's going to get that final spot is going to be a very interesting um, talk as we go through the rest of um, the rest of this season. I've, I've said I like Miami. I think Miami's schedule bears it out, bears out better than the other team's um, schedules. I just want to see who the Ravens have and we'll, We'll go. We'll go through. The NFL is all about the schedule at this point. Um, you, know, you really have to look at who's left, and the Ravens have the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, the Chargers, and the Browns. Well, you know the the Buccaneers. I I, I think that's definitely a winnable game for the uh, for the Ravens. I don't think that's a problem. I think, um, you know, obviously the Chargers game, um, Chargers game the week before Christmas will be a very, um, will be a very tough game. Uh, we know the Chargers game will be tough. So that's one tough game. And then the Browns to close out the season. Um, the Browns have always played the uh you know last time these two teams met it was a 12 to 9 game you know so the ravens it's not like the ravens are are, going to blow out the cleveland browns so that could be a dog fight late in the season so that's a very interesting um uh, so they have they have two they have one tough game, 
one game I would call maybe a mediocre game, and then they have one win. They have one winnable, one game that I would say is, is a surefire win. Now let's go to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts, when you look at the Colts' schedule, they're, they have the Cowboys at home this week. The Cowboys, um, you know, we'll get to the Cowboys in a minute. I've got some thoughts on the Cowboys that need to be heard by everybody in Dallas and everybody in the Dallas Cowboys brain trust needs to um, listen to what I've got to say about the Dallas Cowboys, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that in its own segment. But right now, so the Colts, that's a tough game against the Cowboys. Then they've got the Giants at home. You know, who knows what Giants, I mean, if the Giants team that showed up on on Sunday against the Redskins, if that team shows up, the, the Colts the Colts are, are not – they can't look past anybody. And then at the Titans to end, end the season, Vrabel has that team playing well. Um, they Even though they beat the Titans well, handedly just a few weeks ago, at Tennessee, that will be a tougher game. Um, so they have really two tough games on their schedule. Um, and, again, the Colts are not a team that really can look past anybody. But they're in a good position, and they do have that Giants game. So that's not a bad spot for them. All right. Now the computer has decided it wants slow. Come on. Okay. All right. The computer has decided it does not want to work anymore. So let's. let's. Go. And now the computer's up. All right. So let's go back to looking at this and. Let's look at the uh, Miami Dolphins here. Um, All right. Well, if you look at the Dolphins, I mean, you look at who the Dolphins have left on, on their kind of schedule. You, they got the Vikings. That'll be a big game. A big game for both teams. Uh, the Vikings are fighting for their own life. Um, I, I, I think, I, I think after Monday night um, seeing the Vikings play, I think I'm writing them off. Um, probably, sh- you know, it's probably early, but I'm, pro- I'm jumping ship. I, I, I think I'm jumping ship on the Vikings. Um, so that could be a winnable game, but you know it will be a tough game. But that's the only tough game left. Then they have the Jaguars and at the Bills. So the Vikings really have two winnable games and a game that I, I'm I could put in the winnable column. I, I you know I don't want to overstate what the Miami Dolphins have done. Uh, you know they basically got out of new uh, out of the. New England game by on the skin of their teeth. 
So they're in a very precarious spot. Let's see who the Titans have, and then we'll uh, be able to say exactly who it is there. But here we go. So you look at, I mean, the Titans, the Titans could be the team that has the best road. They've got the Giants this weekend, which, again, we don't know what Giants team is going to show up, but, you know, the Titans should be able to beat the Giants. Then they've got the Redskins, who are just in free fall because they have no quarterback. We saw what they were with Mark Sanchez. We saw what they were with Josh Jackson. So, you know, that they've just been snake-bitten. Um, so that's the Redskins. And then the then they end the season with the Colts, which could be a, you know, the winner gets in. Could be that kind of a game. So they really have two winnable games and then a division game at home. So the, I think the Titans actually have the best road um they have the best road to um, to the playoffs. I definitely think the Ravens have the toughest road to the playoffs, but they have the leg up of being in that position right now, and the other teams you know, have to hope that they lose um, in order to catch them. All right, so that's the AFC. You know, and then you've got the Broncos who, you know, just lost to San Francisco, so really what what how much stock are you putting into the um Denver Broncos? I'm not putting much into them. So let's get to the NFC playoff picture, which the Chicago Bears with a surprising victory against the um against the Los Angeles Rams. That was big for the New Orleans Saints because it now puts the Saints back into the top spot. After they beat Tampa Bay, they clinched their division. The Rams clinched their division last week. So we know that those two teams will be battling it out. And since New Orleans beat L.A. head-to-head, New Orleans just has to finish with the same record as the Rams and they'll win the tiebreaker there. The Bears, because of that win, I think the Bears will now finish third. Um, you know, I was weary of, hey, maybe if, if as a Cowboys fan, I was hoping maybe the Cowboys can get into that third spot and, you know, play against one of these teams. It, you know, the team in the sixth slot is really who you want to play in that first round. Um Seattle, we saw Monday night. They it, Seattle's not a team you want you want to be seeing in the playoffs. Um, Russell Wilson can do things and make things happen that nobody else can, and that's a very tough choice. Um, we'll, we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the playoff we'll get to the playoff picture of what we got to do. I mean, there we go. All right, so the Dallas Cowboys against it at Fort. They pretty much wrapped up the uh, NFC East. The Cowboys just need one more win to secure it. 
um, to secure it for good. Um, a Cowboys win and a Redskins loss will secure the uh, NFC East um, for good next week. Otherwise, they have two weeks to go. Um, and again, the Cowboys have the Colts, the Buccaneers, and the Giants left to go. So the Buccaneers and Giants should, I mean, you never know what happens in these Cowboys-Giants games, but um, you know those, those games should be games the Cowboys can count on winning. This week will be a tough one against Indy, uh, against Indy but you know, we're not uh, I'm not going to hold, you know, I'm not going to hold the Cowboys to that. Um, you know, it's not a must-win situation, but it's it's a game you would like to see the Cowboys win because it's a, a tough, the Indianapolis will be a good team at home, and, of course, they have Andrew Luck, a good quarterback, so you'd like to see the Cowboys put together another defensive outing, um, and offensively, they should be able to carve up Indianapolis pretty good, so... It's a game you want to see. All right. Here we go. Then we got Seattle at five. We saw what they did to the Vikings on Monday night. Again, Russell Wilson is just a – he can make things happen. So the Minnesota Vikings sit at six in a six and six, and they have that one tie. So the Vikings are are still a viable option, but let's let's just – for the fun of it, let's look at the remaining schedule of the Vikings. We talked before. They've got the Dolphins, the Lions, and the Bears. So, they, you know, what what will the Bears be at that point? I've got to hope that the Vikings will be um, – as a Cowboys fan, again, I'm hoping that the Bears stumble to, uh, along the way here and the Cowboys can sneak into that third spot. It would be nice. Um, I'm not counting on it, though, after what I saw Sunday night. Um, not counting, I'm not counting on that third spot, but it would be nice to get it. Um, all right, so we see the Vikings with the Dolphins. If the, the, the Vikings, it's a must. I think it's a must win this weekend for the Vikings. If the Vikings lose this weekend, I think their playoff chances take a big hit. Um, let's see who Carolina has. I want to see Carolina's schedule because I know they play the Saints at some point, and they do. They play the Saints. They play the Saints twice in the next two weeks. The question is, you know, and the Saints this week are still fighting for that uh, number one seed. So that could be a very uh, precarious situation for Carolina. Carolina's schedule does not do them any favors. I think they are the better team out of the group that's fighting for that last playoff spot. But their schedule is just not going to um, – not optimal for them. The Eagles – I believe the Eagles play them. I know the Eagles play the Redskins at some point. I believe it's this weekend. Let's find out. No, it's the last game of the season. So – the Eagles, the Eagles, oh my God, the Eagles have the toughest road to um, how to get there. They have, they play at the Rams. Uh, home, their home game is against the Texans. 
another tough game. The Texans will be fighting for that, uh, you know, fighting with New England for that play, for that uh, second spot in the AFC. So the Texans will still have stuff to play for. And then they're at the Redskins, which we talked about the quarterback, but they do still have the same record as the Philadelphia Eagles. So presumably that could be a game that the loser, you know, the winner, the winner's in. That could be a, win, a winner. The winner is in the playoffs. It, it's presumable. It's not likely because of the way we've seen the Redskins play over the last couple of weeks. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible, and it could that could end up being a big time game. But the Eagles. I mean, that that's just a tough road with the Rams and the Texans right before that. So then you've got to look at Green Bay. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers spelled it out for us, beat Atlanta. I believe they have Chicago this week. I know they have Chicago in one of these games coming up. Yep. They have Chicago. If if Green Bay can get by Chicago, they could be a sleeper team to steal some – somebody's bid here um and we didn't talk about it last week because again we had a lot going on last week but we didn't get to talk about mike mccarthy um and mike mccarthy's finally out in green bay which uh we will talk about his future coming up but um you know obviously the bears so they got the Bears this week. If they get by the Bears, then you've got the Jets and the Lions. Uh, you got at the Jets and home against the Detroit Lions to end the season. So Green Bay could presumably get themselves up there. Uh, and if Minnesota falters anywhere, could open the door for Green Bay to make the playoffs. And again, Aaron Rodgers can do amazing things. So. Getting to the, you know, if he can just get them to the playoffs, we know amazing quarterbacks can do amazing things in the playoffs, get get hot, get on a run, and see where it goes from there. All right, so that's the playoffs. That's the playoffs in a nutshell. Um, again, if, you, if, I, if I had to pick who, who's going to finish where, I'm still sticking with I'm still sticking with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins will edge out the uh I think the Ravens are the best team available in for that sixth spot. I think they're the best team, but I think they have the toughest schedule. So I'm I'm kinda torn between picking the Baltimore Ravens, but and I think the Dolphins have, have an easier road to the playoffs, so I think they will get in. The NFC is the tough is is the tough road, and I think you know it would it would be strange of me to say you know I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. I know the Packers have to run the table and get some help. I think they get help from the way this schedule works out. Um, 
It, I think it's still going to come down to the Packers and the Vikings, and it, it's going to be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out down the stretch. If I had to pick right now, I think the Vikings have the upper hand, so I would take the Vikings as a playoff team. But I think it's going to be really close. It's going to come down to that last week, and. I think it's going to come down to tiebreakers, and Minnesota has the tiebreaker over Green Bay. So that is what um, gives them the edge. All right, kicking off the last hour. So we've done the playoff. We've done a playoff discussion. We've talked about some of the games coming up this weekend. So let's go. All right. Let's talk about the game. The game of the week this week, the game we were all paying attention to, we talked about it last week with Denise. Um, I know my buddy Steve was watching. Uh, Lavaza, great Eagles fan. And just just so you know, my, my plan worked perfectly. I picked the Eagles to win in hopes that it would help the Cowboys. My, my master plan, ha-ha. My master plan did come did come through. Um, every time I picked against the Eagles, they win. Every time I picked the Eagles, they lose. So I, I put that theory into action last week, hoping that it, it would it would work out, and the Cowboys were able to work that out. Um, work that out. Here's the problem with the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have a big, big, big Big, big problem. And it is a three-headed monster. They have a three-headed monster that is getting ready to uh, really... I've been watching all week. I've been watching people dissect this Dallas Cowboys team. I've been watching the media fawn over, oh, they beat the Eagles. This, This is the reason... This is why this is why Dak Prescott deserves an extension. This is why Dak Prescott needs to be the Cowboys quarterback. Dak Prescott, the head coach, and the owner cannot get on the same page and figure out what it is that makes the Cowboys great right now. If those three if those three have very different have a very different view of what has made this Dallas Cowboys team great. And I watched somebody try to explain, this season is is the example that shows that the, the Dallas Cowboys need Dak Prescott. That is as false, and, and as some, that is somebody who has not been watching how the Cowboys have been winning all season long. The Dallas Cowboys have been winning despite their quarterback. Their quarterback and Dak Prescott is great at what he does. He is great at moving around. He is great at, um, you know, finding uh, receiver, making space for receivers and, and, getting, and getting them into open spaces. And, and he, he's great at what he does. He's great at what he's good at, what he is good at. What he is bad at, is throwing from the pocket and and holding on to the ball while the defense is collapsing around him. 
we talked with Denise. Denise said it best last week. I would give her all the credit. Dak Prescott holds the ball too long. He tries to make plays, and he gets sacked. He tries to make plays, and he gets sack fumbles. He tries to make plays, and he's thrown off his back foot, and it's intercepted, leading to touchdowns. The Cowboys are winning on defense, running game, and Dak Prescott making smart decisions with the football. Throwing the ball away is a smart decision. If it leads to a punt, so be it. But if it's a turnover, Dallas cannot come back from turnovers. Their quarterback has been way too turnover prone, and they've been winning despite that because the defense has been so good, because the running game has been so good. That's what's made the Cowboys good. The problem is this head coach wants to make Dak Prescott something he's not, a pocket passer, somebody who can drop back 27, 35. You know, if Dak Prescott is dropping back more than 35 times a game, the Cowboys aren't going to win. That's not how the Cowboys are built. That's not how they're going to win. And if you pay Dak Prescott as a star quarterback, if you pay him as, you know, if you give him a Matt Ryan type contract, it will be an albatross on this team going as far as they're willing to take it. I've said this to Denise, and Denise, a big Cowboys fan, agreed with me last, last week. Dak Prescott is not even in the top five guys on offense that I would say are most important to this team. I could probably, and if you go the entire team, he's probably not even in the top 15. But the, the position of quarterback will dictate and if Dak Prescott is not willing to accept, hey, I am a mid-level guy. I don't deserve the highest paid contract. If he is, if he's going to fight that, the Cowboys need to, to have an edge of saying, you know what, we'll find somebody else who can do this. You know, if you're not going to take our price and you want, we'll let somebody else overpay for Dak Prescott. The Cowboys cannot do it. They have too much. <coughs> they have too much to do on the offensive side of the football. They have too much to do on the entire team that they cannot tie up all of their money in a quarterback who is not ready to lead this team. He's not ready to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. That's just not that's not going to win you games. That part, that's not going to win games doing that. And again, the owner and the coach are trying to get out there and say, Dak Prescott, the guy who's going to be here forever. If, if, if Dak Prescott is willing to take a reasonable deal and a reasonably sized contract, if he's looking for Matt Ryan-type money, you, you look at what the Falcons are with Matt, where they're at with Matt Ryan. They're in, they're in a deep hole. The Falcons are in trouble. Because they have Matt Ryan, and because Matt Ryan is going to be hanging over their head, they're not going to be able to sign, re-sign their guys. They're not going to be able to sign free agents. They're not going to be able to bring in the pieces they need. The Cowboys cannot fall into that trap. And the media, since the Philadelphia, well, pretty much since the Saints game, has been telling you, well, now this is Dak's team. Dak is going to take over. Dak has to be the focal point. 
Dak Prescott cannot be the focal point of this team. He's not ready for that. Yes, we've seen Dak Prescott do very well in a playoff game that eventually Aaron Rodgers hit the big pass and they end up, you know, the pass, we know what happens. They kick a long field goal, Cowboys lose. But, that, yes, he did play well in that game. I will give him that. But Dak Prescott, is the Cowboys are winning despite him this, this year. Dak Prescott is making bad plays, bad decisions, bad throws, holding on to the ball too long, getting sacked, fumbled, sacked out of field goal range. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that the Dallas Cowboys need to do to be able to get that. And if, if the owner, you know, if the owner goes out and, and makes Dak an offer that's, that's in, the, in one of the crazy ranges, you know, we've seen the salaries going up. If Dak thinks he's going to get, you know, be a top five paid quarterback, the Cowboys have to be willing to say, you're not a top five quarterback. We're not paying you that. We'll pay you. <coughs> we'll pay you where your range is. Um, and, and and I understand that Dak Prescott's going to go out and say, "Well, the market says I should get this much." The Cowboys need to be responsible here. They need to be reasonable. And you already see it with the the owner's statements about Dak Prescott. And you see it with the way the head coach uses Dak Prescott. He tries to make Dak Prescott, you know, Dak, go out and win us this game. Go out. You know, I want to show that Dak can do more than, than, than what he's supposed to do. If Jason Garrett cannot figure out what Dak Prescott is, the Cowboys will never be what they, what they should be. And that's a big problem in Dallas. That three-headed monster has to come to a a, they have to come to a consensus of saying, Dak, this is what you are. This is what you're good at. We're going to make you, we're going we're gonna to put you in the best position. We're going to give you the RPOs. We're going to put you, we're not just going to sit there and drop you back in, in a five-step five drop, seven-step drop, and, and expect you to throw the ball on target. That's not going to happen. Not going to be a good um, ending for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> okay, we got we got a, a, a message on um, we got a message on Facebook, so I will answer. Um, so we got a message on Facebook, so I will uh, I will address that topic soon. Uh, but I just want to finish the point. And as a Cowboys fan, am I happy that the Cowboys are eight and five and, and ahead? Yes, absolutely. There is no question about it. I am thrilled that the Dallas Cowboys are the you know are where they are. The question I have is, can the, is this sustainable, and how can the Cowboys get better from here? And that's what, that's what I fear. I fear that 
this that the three-headed monster here, the head coach, the owner, and the quarterback, the three most powerful people in the organization are not um, are not are, are on a, a they're they're reading this a different way. And from the reports that I've read, from the statements I've heard from them, the statements I've heard from big-time media people, I th- if they listen to them. I think they're going to drive the Cowboys down a road they don't want to go down. Um, all right, so we've got, I believe, we've got a caller here, so let me take this call. I think I know who this is, so come on. You can do it, computer. I trust you. Hey, how you doing, Fit Down Sports Show? Hey, Chris, it's Lou. Oh, hey, Lou, how you doing? All right. All right, let me uh, move my phone a little bit here. All right, um, so what's going on, Lou? Well, for the most part, my teams are not doing are not doing so great. The Rangers are the are the best out of all the uh, uh, the pro sports teams in New York, so it's been a bum season so far. Ugh. Well, I, I mean, mean, it's been a bum season, but I mean, how can you complain with last week? I mean, Sunday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sunday was a pretty good. Sunday was a pretty good good day. I mean, the mm. we saw we saw Mark we got we got the return of Mark Sanchez. Uh, yeah. Mark Sanchez was pretty much Mark Sanchez, and the Giants took full advantage of it. Um, I, I think I think they won something like forty one nothing or forty one to seven something like that. Forty one fourteen. Forty forty fourteen. Yeah, there you go. I knew they had forty one though. Um, but, uh, and then the Jets, how about the Jets? Well, about time. It's about time. They did something, and it was against Buffalo, so. Yeah, Buffalo. You know, that, that was a, a, a very good, a, a very good showing. Sam Darnold pulled some magic out, showed that maybe he can be the savior. Um, Not so, now. I mean, he, he, he I, I, at this point, at this point, I, I know, I know you want to look at the season as a whole, but at this point, I think you got to take the little, uh, you know, you got to take the little wins as, as they come, especially at this point in the season, because you're gonna be looking back on the season and saying, oh, what a crappy season we had. But oh, been you can enjoy, before. you can enjoy what we had, you know, you can enjoy what we saw last weekend and. For the Giants, um, I mean, you got the rook, you got you got the rookie of the year, pretty much wrapped up. Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon. I think Saquon pretty much took the award uh, and ran with it on uh, on Sunday. Speaking I of saw awards. It. Yeah, go ahead. Speaking of awards. Now, I don't know if you actually saw the uh, Heisman Trophy presentation on Saturday. Uh, you know, it's pretty much a two-way race, be- you know, uh, between Murray and, as yeah, I call him, we, 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 we talked. We talked about it. We talked about it earlier in the show. Um, but um, I did not – I didn't watch the ceremony, but I, uh, you know, obviously I followed, I followed what was going on. I don't really watch the ceremony because the ceremony is pretty much all fluff, and you know, it's basically all you have to do is watch the last ten minutes of it to know. Right. 
who won the award and then uh, see them give a speech. So um, I didn't well, I didn't watch it live, but I, I knew I was following it of what was going on. But I would be interested to know. And first of all, Lou, I've already explained my thoughts to the listeners, so I want to get your thoughts. What, what were your thoughts of it, Lou? Do you think they got it I right? I was dead. I was like, what? This can't be happening. I thought for sure. <laughs> I think, and I think 85% of all college football fans thought that Tag was going to win the Heisman. I mean, you can't. I mean, okay, Murray had a great season too, but I thought with Tag's numbers were a bit better. But you know, I also heard from another source that if, um, with with Tag, if he had a better, um. In the in the uh, conference championship game against Georgia, that uh, maybe it would have went to him, even though the Alabama won. That's an interesting point. Um, that maybe it came down to that final week. Um, to me, I, I said this earlier in the show. I have no idea how they looked at. I, I think, I think what happened is the. Voters, the voters for the Heisman are people that, that basically they're just media people. It, it, it has nothing to do right. with college football. I mean, I mean, there are people that have Heisman votes that don't even report on college football. Um, I can tell you right now, the Dan Levitard show on ESPN, they have a vote for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, that... that they they don't even cover college football. They have a vote because they are a media member, and and it, it's just ridiculous. But if you look at what they did, I think that I think whoever was voting, if you look at these, if you just look at the raw stats, yeah, Kyler Murray is outstanding. He's he's played some of the best football that we've seen. And his numbers are ridiculous. And then when you put them next to Tua's, okay, they're, you know, obviously Kyler Murray's are better. Why are Kyler Murray's so better, so much better than Tua's? Because Tua never played in the fourth quarter. Didn't play a fourth quarter right. all year long. He didn't play. And, yes, did he have a, a poor showing in the championship game? Yes. Did he play a real defense in his championship game? Yes. Did Kyler Murray play a real defense? No. He played a Big 12 defense in a Big 12 championship game that gave up 45 points. That's what, that's what he had to go against. The Tua had to go against a real defense with real players on it, with guys who are going to be going on to the next level. It, Anybody who says, oh, well, it's because Tua didn't play well in the championship game, they, they were playing two totally different teams. It, it's ridiculous to make that argument. Yeah. It's ridiculous to make the argument, well, Kyler Murray's got so much better numbers. Numbers? How can you put up better numbers when your guy has played 12 less quarters? And Kyler Murray has had to play in the fourth quarter because his team – because his defense can't stop anybody, so his offense has to stay on the field. It's ridiculous when you think about what the, the award is for the most outstanding player. 
Well, who's been yeah. the outstanding player all year long? It's been Tua, and the fact that he's been Tua. The fact that in in three quarters of play, he's getting up ridiculous numbers. So, so yeah. I I I have to go with that. I I have to say, I have to say they got. I think they got that one completely wrong. Um, and I think oh, they yeah. were just thrown for a loop. I, I think the numbers were just so so much in uh, Kyler Murray's favor that people that people that haven't been paying attention all year were, had to say, wait a minute, these numbers are so prolific, we have to give it to them. And they didn't look at the fact that, yeah, Tua hasn't played, didn't play a fourth quarter all year long. That, that's crazy to me. But I don't have I don't have a Heisman vote yet. I will I will work on getting one because I am a member of the media now. Maybe I, maybe I can pull off getting a Heisman vote, but um, I, for now I can just comment and say I I I think they got that one completely wrong. No, at least I'm not alone in that. No, you're 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 definitely not alone, and and I've I've been reading up on it and. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I was just reading an article before I came on the air how Kyler Murray was the player of the year, and I'm like, what have you been watching? I mean, Kyler Murray was not the player of the year until probably a week ago. Up until then, 13 weeks of the season, Tua was the player of the year, and then because of one bad outing, or and it wasn't even a bad outing, it was, you know, he just played a superior team. He played a better against better competition, and but you know what? The best thing about that is they will settle it on the field, Oklahoma, Alabama. So yeah, we got that going for us. Uh, what else you got there, Will? Well, let's see, because um, I'm reading some other articles right now, and. Um, the Rangers are in trouble. The who? Uh, my Rangers. Uh, Shattenkirk is going to be out uh, two to four weeks with a shoulder injury. Oh, well, uh, as a Rangers fan, I've never been a fan of Shattenkirk, so I'm not too they sad about that. They didn't say much shoulder, though. Yeah, they did. They, does it really matter? Yeah. I mean, a, shoulder a shoulder injury is a shoulder injury. You can't really go out there with one bad shoulder, if, if either one is hurt, it's going to ah, keep them left out. Shoulder. So, left shoulder. Left shoulder. Yeah, sling his, yeah, sling his arm. Yeah, well, as I said, I'm not a big Shattenkirk fan, so maybe this will help I the know. Rangers. Maybe you know, this will definitely help the Rangers play defense because Shattenkirk is not a he's – he's listed as a defenseman, but he's not a defenseman, so – He's kind of like yeah. having a uh, fourth winger out there, so maybe this will help them on defense. But we know we a know the Rangers winger. struggle putting the puck in the net. So a fourth winger, huh? Yeah, that's pretty much what Shattenkirk is. I mean, he's yeah, I not a defense. He's not. He's not a defenseman. He's not going to get down and he's not the Ryan McDonough type that's going to get in front of the puck and block and hustle back on defense. He's He's not going to be guy that he's going to be the guy that pressures from the blue line, 
goes down towards the net and leave, leaves his defenseman uh, pretty much all alone. That's pretty much how Shattenkirk works, which is why I'm not a fan of his, but, um, yeah. yeah. He you is kind of what the Rangers need, though, because they need goal scorers. So. Are you going to buy into this? Third, re, uh, third fight between uh, Alvarez and Triple G that they're uh, yapping about. I don't buy any fight, so I'm I am not going to buy. I am not going to buy the fight. No, I mean, I mean do you I believe? Think? I mean, do you believe? I don't mean you're paying for. It. I mean, do you believe it's going to happen? Do I think it's going to happen? I yes. don't see why it wouldn't happen. Um, it's I, I, there's in boxing. There's way too much money. For those got for those guys to turn it down, um, you know, we know the anybody who follows all of that stuff, we know that it's you know there, there's been a war going back and forth between Canelo and Triple G's camps of who's taking steroids, who's uh, not training right, who's using weighted gloves, all, all right. that. You know, all that garbage that gets thrown out in, in all the pre-fight stuff. But really, if you're asking me about, you know, would this be the bit, this would be the big fight in boxing. This, this is the fight that boxing needs. So it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and where. Right. Because there's no other draw. There's no other draw in boxing that's going to bring what these guys are looking for. And then it's going to come down to it, as it always does in boxing, it's going to come down to the splits of mm-hmm. who's going to get what money, how, how they work that out. That's the fight game. That's the way the fight game works nowadays. It's who gets, who, you know, who's the top of the ticket. Who's going to get this? Who's going to get the split? Is it going to be 60, 40? Is it going to be 50, 50 down the middle? Um, and, and all of that is going to play itself out. But do I think it's going to happen? Yes, because it's the only show. It's the only game in town in boxing. There's no other, right. there's no other people. There's no other draws. There's nobody that people want to watch. And you know, I think yeah. boxing learned. Boxing learned a lot from Floyd Mayweather. They learned a lot from Floyd Mayweather dodging. Um, that uh, Pacquiao, they learned so right. much from the fact that they they let those guys dodge each other for so long and fight other people that they were like, why are we doing this? When they fight when they fight each other, it's awesome. We everybody everybody makes money off it. Yeah. However, when when Mayweather was fighting nobodies, everybody was like. Well, I don't want to watch it. You know, only the Mayweather camp was watching that. And everybody else was like, I don't care. Right. When Pacquiao was fighting nobodies, the Pacquiao crew was watching, but the Mayweather crew was like, I don't care. We don't care about no, that. No. But when they fought each other, you had all of that. You had all the hoopla of it. Um, and I think they learned, I think boxing learned, and this is something they learned from not only from that fight, but from watching UCF, uh, not – from UFC, um, and from watching the debacle, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it was a good bout, but it was you know the debacle of Conor McGregor and Mayweather 
boxing learned, if we have a matchup that can make money, we need to do it now, get it in, and we can get three or four of these going. That way we can make some real bank. So I do think it'll happen. Yeah. It's just a matter of when and where. All right. I'll buy that. I mean, because there's no official word from either camp that it's going to take place on the scheduled uh, night as opposed to happen, which is May 4th of next year. Um, that I can't, you know, I can't speak of when it will happen because I'm not, I'm not versed enough in boxing to know how long it takes to get ready for a match. Um, you know, who's, a year. I, I think it does. I think it, I think it takes about six months to get get yourself fully trained and, and fully into it. So I, I don't think – I think May is, is an all right uh, – I think May would be the best time to do it. Um, but uh, like I said, they'll figure it out, and, and box, box, the boxing people will, will figure that fight out. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I always thought it took longer. I I always thought it was uh, like a year, but I guess now they speed it up. I don't know. I've seen I've seen people fight two times in a year, so I, I've I've seen them able to do that. Um, I, I so again, I'm not I'm not versed in boxing. I'm not a trainer. I've never trained boxing, but I've seen people do two fights in a year. So I I think it's possible to train in six months, um, but it's not like these guys it's not like these guys aren't training now, you know while they're working. It's not like they're gonna say, all right, I'm only gonna train when I have the fight secured. You know these guys are like these guys know when they're they want to fight, so they're training now right. as if. All right, we're gonna get this worked out. So let let's train it up. Um, let's let's keep in shape, and then then we'll just we'll, we'll buckle down once the fight is set. But they they know they're fighting each other. Like these three these guys know then they know each other so well. They've already fought twice. So I mean, how many? You can't really teach a dog new tricks. They're gonna come with the same thing. So, but yeah. I think it will happen. It'll happen sometime. I think May would be the right time to have it. All right. Also, also it works in May because there's really nothing going on in May. I mean, if you if you wanted to talk about if you wanted to talk when is the best time to have um a a, a fight like this, well you don't want to have it during January or February because people are so into the NFL. People are so mm-hmm. into the the, play, the NFL playoffs are starting. Then you get into the Super Bowl. So your 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 fight's going to get overshadowed there. Then you get into, you know, that's February. Then you got March Madness. You're going to be thrown out there. April, you got baseball opening up. You've got the March Madness ending. Um, you've got so pretty much May, you're, you're, the only thing you've got in May is the kind of the buckling down of the NBA playoffs, which really is not a big deal. 
the NHL, but the NHL isn't, uh, you know, the, the NHL playoffs don't start until probably like the end of, really the end. I think I think it's like the end Mid-April. of Mid April. Mid April. Mid April. All right, so mid April, yeah. but the NHL playoffs take so long. Do you think I about know, when I they? I mean, the Stanley Cup, the Stanley Cup Finals, it really isn't till like June. So you're right. you're talking. You're not you're not really risking a lot by by having so that's the optimal time you want to have a like if you want to have a big time fight like this you want to get the most bang for your buck you want to have it in May uh, in May maybe maybe you know May or July is when you want to have it because July those are better. really the two months those are the two months that nothing is really going on and you'll be the big You'll be the big show, so that's why I say May makes the most sense to me. I think July's better. July, it, the yeah, I mean, you July. Uh, you got you got baseball. You got you got you got the baseball in full swing, but that's not really an issue. I mean, again, you could do it in July. I could see it in July. I could see it in July too. I mean, July makes sense. May is usually when like people are like really into it. Though I mean, July you're talking about the summer. Um, you know, people make summer plans. Well, people don't really make plans for May. They're not really looking at vacation plans or whatever. So people are usually home. You know, especially up here in the Northeast where it's still in May, it's still like. Eh, groggy weather, you know, the weather's starting to get nice, but it's not really opened up yet. So Right. That again, that that's why I think again, May is, is perfect because people are stuck at home. What are they gonna do? Oh, there's a fight on. Let's watch the big fight. All right, Lou, you got anything right. else for me? Um who should the Yankees uh, go after now? Now that um, we won't, we uh, won't get a chance um, with Baltimore. Well, uh, breaking news that I heard yesterday is that the Yankees, the Mets, and another team, another mystery team, are involved in a. In in a in three way trade talks, which could send Noah Syndergaard to the Bronx. So um, that is true. That has been that has been. I, I I got I I have a very good Met source who is very close to close to the family here. We call him Brother Tom. Um, Brother Tom posted on Facebook that he got an update. That is he a priest? They that, that they didn't reach anything. They just said that the the talks were opening and that Noah Syndergaard was his name was on the table. Um, I, I don't know what that did to the uh, Mets fan base. I know they love Syndergaard and the the Mets fan base never wants to see a Met playing in pinstripes. Um. Hey, same so way, you know, same think, thing here with us because you know 
one of our former players is also now going to the Mets too, Cano. Well, Robbie Cano, Robbie Cano will be playing second base in yeah. Flushing this year. So, um, of course, why, why, I mean, that, that's just par for the course. If you use steroids, where do you go? Oh, you go to the New York Mets. That's what people do. Um, so, Robbie Cano coming over to the Mets, it'll be an it. That'll be very interesting to see how he plays there. I think he'll do well at City Field. So, um, but again, I, I I don't know how. I, I know the Mets are interested in fielding offers for Syndergaard. I don't. Yeah. I think it's going to take weight. I think it's going to take too much, which is why the Yankees are trying to get a third team involved because they need a lot. You're going to need a lot to get Syndergaard. Um, but that's. That's what I heard. That's what I've been hearing that the Yankees are trying to acquire. They're trying to acquire another starting pitcher, um, which makes sense because pretty much their lineup is set. There's nothing you can really do about it. There's nothing you can do about their lineup. So I think the only place they can really go is starting pitching, and their bullpen is set. So I think the Yankees will try to get one more big starter, and who that is, that'll be the big question for Brian Cashman, is who makes the most sense, what's the best deal, um, and, and, and how can they get him? Yeah. I mean, because the, the asking price for Harper was too high. Oh, uh, yeah, Um I mean, and, and not to mention, I mean, the Yankees really have no, I mean, not that there's no, no place for uh, Bryce Harper. I mean, there's always a place for Bryce Harper, but at what cost? I mean, the Yankees, you know, this isn't the George Steinbrenner, let's break the bank and sign every player ever. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll find a place to put them. That's just that's not how the Yankees are going to be anymore. They're going to be practical. Yes, they're going to go out and get big guys like um, they're going to get big guys like Giancarlo Stanton, and when they're available and when they can, they're going to make they're going to make splashes. But they're not going to say, all right, we have. I mean, they already have four or five outfielders that can play every day. They're not going to go out and say, "All right, we'll just bring in Bryce Harper just so no one else has him." That's not that's not their that's not the way they're doing it anymore. So, right. But we've got a while to go until baseball starts up, so we'll definitely uh, get more into the uh, hot stove issues. Right. And if anything big happens, we'll definitely break it down here. Um, hey, I said, I've got. I've got people out there that I've got people out. I've got, I've got sources. I've got sources working uh, to keep me informed of what's going on. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll monitor the hot stove as it goes on. All right, Lou, I got to get going. I got to wrap the show up here, but uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, on the internet, you can find me at Facebook or you can find me at um, Gmail, LouTenor45 at capital gmail.com. Capitalize the G, please, or else you won't get squat. Um, if you want to reach me on my, uh, on my sports program, call 605 562 
0444 in case you didn't figure that out. Um, we're on six. Uh, oh, and the, the pin number is two six one two five five six one in pound. But after the pound sign, wait for the operator to give further instructions to get you in. Otherwise, uh, you're going to be locked out. All right. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks, thanks for calling in and uh, yeah, call us in. Keep calling. We'll, we'll talk to you next week when uh, the Cowboys clinch a playoff spot. You can say that again. Yeah, they will. All right, we'll talk to you next week, Lou. All right. So that's Lou. We always like Lou. Uh, he brings us a lot, a lot of uh, interesting topics to talk about. Um, that was. Um, you know, we, we were all over the map there. We went from football to boxing to baseball, so we love to do that. All right, so I've got a question on Facebook that I'm going to answer from my boy Kevin. My boy Kevin, who is a diehard Redskins fan, and I feel bad for him because the Redskins had a very promising season go down the drain when Alex Smith got injured. But he said, he asked me, and he asked me how to pro- how to properly build the Redskins into a winner. I think the Redskins are on a very nice course, okay? The Redskins are on the right track, okay? You can say that, you know, I think they, they've got some – some pieces there that can work. Um, I I know a lot of people don't like him, but a lot of people don't like Josh Norman. I love Josh Norman. I think Josh Norman is a great player. I think he's a great leader. I think he can be a guy who can anchor your defense, especially in the secondary. That is a very big piece to becoming a winning football team is building your secondary up. What did the what did the Redskins do in this in this past draft? They drafted defensive linemen. They got a defensive tackle, Deron Payne, who I thought was one of the best defensive players in the draft. They end up getting him. He has he has benefited monstrously. The Redskins got hit with injuries. Darius Geis. Darius Geis is going to come back. So your offense is set in the running game, okay? You've got a pretty decent offensive line. The big thing I would look at for the Washington Redskins is at some point you're going to have to replace Trent Williams. So you're going to – I always believe, always have believed, in if you're going to build a team, you build from the – you build the lines out. And that's both. That's on both. You start at the defense. You start on the on the offensive line. You start at the tackle position. Then you get the center. Then you get the guards to fill in. That's where you need to move. That's how I would build my team is through the offensive line. Now, the good news is this year's NFL draft is big on defensive line and offensive line. We'll break down the NFL draft coming forward. But where do I think the Redskins need vastly improve? On defense, it's that linebacker. They need to get faster, 
better coverage linebackers. They need to get safeties who can play down in the box. That's where they need, that's their big issue. Now, the biggest issue everybody's going to say is, well, if Alex Smith can't come back, we need to fill the quarterback. We need to fill the quarterback. To me, there's going to be somebody out there. Somebody's going to be available at quarterback that you can bridge the gap. Whether it's drafting a quarterback or whether it's bringing a guy in, I think depending on where the Redskins end up slotted, you will see who they get to go after at quarterback. And it will be a question of who is the best guy to fill that role. And just before we get into some NFL draft talk, I mean, it's going to come down to Justin Herbert and Drew Locke. The Oregon quarterback, Justin Herbert, and the Missouri quarterback, Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke is the better pro. I think he will be the better pro uh, passer. So I think if you can get him, if you can, and you can get Drew Locke at a later point in the draft, I think Justin Herbert, uh, a lot has been talked about him. He'll probably go maybe in the top 10. You know, maybe he'll go to Jacksonville. Maybe he'll go to somewhere else. But that being said, there are going to be guys. So I think you can do two things if you're the Redskins. One, you can draft a quarterback in the first round, and you can bring in a guy. Just remember this. Tyrod Taylor is going to be available. Yes, I know. Tyrod Taylor couldn't win the job with the Browns, blah, blah, blah. He's still a good quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is still a good quarterback. He's going to be available. You're going to have a guy like a Teddy Bridgewater will be available. Um, the Saints aren't going to re-sign him. They made the trade with the Jets, but they're not going to bring him back. Teddy Bridgewater can be a starting quarterback in this league. You don't need a guy who's going to be there for 10 to 15 years. You are going to need a guy who's going to be a bridge. Um Thinking of guys who are going to be available. Joe Flacco could be available. Um, I think um, Andy Dalton will be available. These are guys, again, these are not long-term options. These are guys, if you have to bring in a guy and say, all right, we need a year or two out of them, you go out and get a guy who has been, done it in this league. I would go out and get a veteran quarterback who's I would, I would not mind seeing Andy Dalton come in. I would not mind seeing Joe Flacco come in and, and be that bridge to the next guy. You know, uh, so to my friend Kevin, how would I build the Washington Redskins? I would start – I would start – they've already started building the defensive line. That's good. The upgrades they need to make are linebacker and linebacker and safety. I think corners are pretty much set, um, but I think linebacker and safety on defense and on offense. I would focus on offensive line and again the quarterback position. But we have to know what Alex Smith is going to be. If Alex Smith is never going to play again, then we have to you know make that option. If Alex Smith is going to be back at some point, 
then we only need a bridge. We, o we only need a, a quick fix um, before we, we know what's going on. Or we get, we draft our long-term answer and we get a bridge to that long-term answer. So that's where I would go if I were the Washington Redskins. Again, I think, they're, I think they made great choices this year with um, Deron Payne and with Darius Geis in the draft. I think those came out well. Hey, what's going on, Fifth Down Sports Show? What's up, dude? I listened to the whole thing. It's Kevin. What's going on, Kev? How you doing? Uh, so you heard my whole rant about the uh, Washington Redskins. What, what what do you think? I think you're you're spot on. Um, I think that a lot of it depends on who is available, a veteran quarterback. You see, I I kind of agree. You know, this isn't the type of draft, even though there's there's a couple guys, and, and there there always is that go through the combine and they emerge. But there's there's always a couple of guys that, that you know, they throw well at the combine and, and uh, they kind of always move up, and there's always teams that are going to take a chance on a quarterback in the draft. We've seen that. I mean, even when Carson Wentz, who, you know, played at the school he played at, you know, uh, the Eagles went up to get him. So there's going to be someone, but I, I, I agree with you. Um, I'm not as high on Norman as you are, but I, I agree with your points. And, and if anybody says, well, you know, you were talking about middle linebacker, that's obviously a need. Reuben Foster's never going to play for the Redskins, in my opinion. You know, so no, that's the out of the will, question. The league will never but, let him step foot on the field. That will never happen. Well, no, I don't think that'll ever happen. But I, I agree with you. I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I think that he's the kind of veteran quarterback. See, there. I, I, I guess the biggest question is: is what will Daniel Snyder do if they lose out? And it looks like they have a really good chance of losing out. And in fairness, they've been decimated on offense with injuries. I mean, all over the place. I mean, you know, the, the right guard is one of the best right guards in all of football. The kid, the guy, sure from Iowa. And Trent yeah. Williams is, is getting up there. I mean, he's still a top tackle. His health is an issue. But, you know, you're right about the offensive line. If you can get an offensive lineman that, that's going to be a, a, a legitimate starter, you always, you always go that direction. But, you know, they, they don't have a lot of room to move up the draft. They traded a second-round pick to get Alex Smith. Uh, the surgeries don't look like, uh, you know, don't, don't really – doesn't look promising with him. And, no, uh, uh, you know, he's had, I've he's, actually the heard, infection is brutal. I've, yeah, that's what I, that's what I heard that he had the, the infection and that's going to set him yep. back. That's going to set him back away. So again, it's going to come down to what his prognosis is. And um, I'm, I'm not in, in the medical profession, so I'm not even going to try to read the teams on, on how that goes. I'm just going to go by what they say. And again, if I'm looking at it, I, I, I do like I do like what the Redskins have building. I I I, I got to say, you guys were hit hard when Darius Geis went down, and Adrian Peterson signing was a godsend. You know, and that's that, that's the that's kind of the bridge that you talked about with the quarterback. You know, they were right. lucky they were lucky that he's performed as well, but 
even he's kind of dipped. I know he had the long run against Philly, and uh, but for the most part, I mean, they can't move people. I mean, Chris, they, they're they're starting. Wow. You know, their starting guard got hurt. Trent Williams was trying to play with one hand. The backup tackle got hurt. The two guards mm-hmm. that they brought off the street are out for the year. They lost. Uh, they lost the receiver Richardson, who was really the only speedy guy they had. Jamison Crowder's been hurt. I mean, it's just a slew of injuries. It's and then last year it was kind of a similar thing. Only the entire defense got hurt. So, but that's the game. I mean, you and I, you know enough to know that that's that's part of it. I mean, it, it's it really is the war of attrition. And uh, yeah, I mean the Cowboys were without Tyron Smith, who I think is the best tackle in football. And you know, they have been without what I think and consider the best center in all of football, and they've been without him all year. So, I mean, it, but I, I agree with, with the, the the way you, you go get a, a veteran quarterback. I don't like Joe Flacco, but I do like somebody that can move around back there, uh, been a solid quarterback, and, and he's played for some bad teams. So, but yeah, I, mean, I agree. Took, you go line. He, he, took a bad, he took a bad Bills team to the playoffs. And nobody talks so, about that. That's a great point. He's he he. That's what we were talking about last season when everybody was talking about. Oh, they brought in this guy. Why is he starting over Baker Mayfield? Well, that's why he was given the up. He didn't he didn't lose the position to Baker Mayfield. He lost it because he got hurt, and Baker Mayfield came in, and that was the end. You know, the Browns. And were yeah, and he, pretty yeah. much and he they were out of it anyway. So they said, "Why not play the kid?" So Tyler Taylor will be out there. I, I I'll tell you, I like I like Teddy Bridgewater. I like what I've seen from Teddy Bridgewater. I liked what I saw from him in the preseason. He just yep. spent a year with Sean Payton behind Drew Brees. Some of that had to sink in. So he could be a guy that I could see. And and, and the big thing about those kind of guys is they're not going to break the bank. They're not going to be looking for a big-time contract. They're going to be looking for a one- or two-year contract. That's, that's going to be easily easy to move them. If, if, God forbid, they come in and they, they stink it up, they're not going to be an albatross on, on you. It's not going to be like, all right, well, we have nobody else. I so, agree. And you, I, I agree you, with And that. you can get the pieces around them. That's. That's what I would look for. And again, I said this. I mean, I've said this going into this. This year's draft is just abysmal at quarterback. It is. I mentioned the two guys. I mentioned the two guys, Herbert and Locke, who are probably going to be first round picks. If this were any other draft, they would probably be second or third round picks. Agreed. Because of the division, Herbert would have gone back to school. Yeah, Herbert would have gone back to school. If it, if this was last year's draft of quarterback, like if the class that came out last year, if that were this year, the kid would have gone back to Oregon. I mean, yeah. And, and yeah. everybody keeps talking about your boy Haskins from Ohio State, also. And I, not that I think he's been an unproductive player, but I just don't see it has nothing to do with the, the, the style of play or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. Maybe I just haven't seen enough of him. I just he just doesn't he doesn't stand out to me as the type of guy that's going to be a franchise quarterback. But again, it depends who it depends what you're looking for. I mean, 
I, I personally like Tyrod Taylor because he can run around. You know, he's a Virginia guy. He went to Virginia Tech. Um, I think that he's he's everybody respects him. You don't hear a bad thing about him. My issue is is you know as a fan, but also if I'm looking at this objectively, you know let let's just let's just look at what Bruce Allen did with Alex Smith's contract because they when we talk about going to get a quarterback. They gave up a second-round pick, so you can't really mess around and move up. And there's no one to move up for. And you can't break the bank for anybody because they owe them $71 million. So it's it, – it, for, a, for a diehard fan, as, as, you know, my brother is and my entire family, we all are, I think it's a very, it's a very scary position because you love the youth movement. So you don't want to trade picks and – you know, it's, it, there's a lot of questions, too. I mean, what you're talking about is, I, I think, is accurate, except if he fires Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden, then you don't – I mean, we don't know who the next president of football is going to be, the GM. You don't know what they're going to want to do, uh, where they're going even in that direction. I mean, I, I think Bruce Allen is going to get fired. I, I'm on the fence. I, I'd like to hear your opinion about what you think Dan Snyder is going to do. I mean, it's – it's been a yeah, uh, over 20 years of guess, frustration. But what would you do? Would trying you to guess what Dan year? Snyder will do. Trying to guess what Dan Snyder will do is, you know, I I I I kind of chalk it up to my owner. Yeah, trying to guess what Jerry Jones is going to do because they're going to do <laughs> whatever they want to do, whatever they want to do it, whatever pops in their head that day is what they do. Yep. And they don't think twice about. Don't think twice about it. Like, hey, is this a good idea? They don't have that. They don't have that in them. They just kind of go, this is what we're doing. Boom, done. And it's like, um, take a step back and think about it. But, um, but no, I – Well, there's two – you know I, what, though, about your Cowboys, though? You're, when you look at the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, I know he takes a lot of heat. I know he's not perfect. But I'll say this. First of all, I think he listens a lot more now to his son Stephen than he ever had than he ever had in the past, and I think Stephen's more of the the more level headed out of the two. But Jerry takes a lot of a lot of heat. You know, people fail to remember he was on a national championship team at the University of Arkansas. <clears throat> you know, he 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 hired Jimmy Johnson. That was a debacle. How that ended. Because I think if Jimmy Johnson stayed there for, you know, eight, nine years, I mean, what they would have done to the NFL would have been – it would have been a joke. I mean, they would have won so many championships. I've already said, Jimmy Jimmy Johnson is is the the best coach of football that I've ever seen. Now, I didn't – you know, I didn't get to see Lombardi. I didn't get. I didn't. I didn't get to see Hank Stram, those all those guys. guys. Yeah, Madden. I didn't get yep. to see those guys, but of football coaches that I've seen, Jimmy Johnson is the reason why I became a Cowboys fan. He is the reason why I respect uh, Miami. He is football coaching. He is. He's everything to me. Um, Kev, I, I got. Amazing. I got to get going real quick. Real quick here, so because um, we're we're well, almost we'll do over this again. time. This was so. fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, you do that. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying. I mean, it, this this was a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's not just about the Redskins, obviously, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about. You got the bowls coming up. 
You know, you got you got a lot of stuff yeah, going on. We'll be, uh, I don't even want to talk about Miami because that's just going to give me heartburn. But um, you know, but we'll we'll definitely yeah, we'll do be, this uh, again. I we'll know be you over it. We'll be we'll be back ne- we'll be back next week with another brand new show with more to talk about. We got the Bulls starting, and yep. we'll have we'll have the playoff picture down. So yeah, definitely. Anytime you want to call in, we'll always take phone calls and uh, we'll we'll get you on here. All right. All right, my man. Always good talking to you. Keep doing a good job. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening. All Thanks right. for calling in. All right. No problem. All right. So we're already over time, so I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I want to thank Kev for calling in. I want to thank Lou for calling in. Um, I want to thank uh, everybody for listening, however you're listening um, to the show. Uh, uh, again, if you haven't already, go to the Facebook page. Like our Facebook page because that's how we get all our stuff out there. Um, And enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back next week to break it all down. Uh, We'll break down the start of bowl season, and we'll start doing a lot more uh, with it. Like I said, we'll do college football awards next week, and we'll have a lot more uh, discussion. and And we all know Lou will call in, and maybe we'll talk some more boxing. Who knows? But, uh, you know, great show tonight, and uh, we will talk to you guys next time. On that note, we're out. Fit Down Sports Show. Uh, catch us next week. <laughs>